As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm just sitting here having a good time with Denise, Paul, and Joel. And we're excited that you're going to join us tonight because we're really going to have a good time. And I want you to have the download. It's free. Please go get it. The study guide is free. Just go to renner.org. Symbols of the Holy Spirit. It's 10 lessons. If you download it, then you can use this every night in the home group with us. And we want you to do that. And while you're there, please look at all the other study guides. Oh, I love the study guides. We put so much work into these study guides, don't we, Joel? We do. We put hours and hours. And we have so many of them. You know, we have a lot of different kinds of study guides on our website. And if you're interested in many subjects, I hope we have one of the study guides for you. And we're also offering the whole series, which is audio or video. It's all kinds of formats. But it's called Symbols of the Holy Spirit, 10 Parts. It's kind of what we're covering in our home group this week. But in home group, we're all discussing on this series. It's really line by line. It's just me. So I cover a lot of material. You should get this if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit. And we're also offering you my book, which is called The Holy Spirit and You Working Together as Heaven's Dynamic Duo and Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We saw Monday night that if you'll let the Holy Spirit move, He'll do things. He'll act. That's why the book of Acts is called the book of Acts. They Acts. let the Holy Spirit move. And when He moved, Acts took place. My friends, He didn't change. We're the ones that have changed. And if we'll make room for Him to move, we'll still experience the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But last night, we began looking at the symbols of the Holy Spirit. And we saw last night that in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is depicted as oil. oil. Did you like that? Yes. Did you like that? We'd like to know what you think. By the way, please comment. I read all of your comments. These guys can tell you. I do it every morning after I pray. And we also saw the Holy Spirit is depicted as? Do. Do. Did you like that? I enjoyed that so much. It really explained to me when we're all in a worship service and everyone experiences the Holy Spirit. I thought that was just really great because they're all in unity. They're all in one accord and they can all experience the Holy Spirit together. I thought that was wonderful. And we saw in Psalm 133 that you have to meet the right atmospheric conditions to experience the Holy Spirit as dew. And like we talked about last night, when dew shows up in the morning, is there anything untouched by dew? No, everything gets slimed by dew. I mean, it's everywhere. I can remember years ago walking through the yard thinking, oh, this dew is everywhere. And sometimes you can even see your footprints because the dew is so heavy. That's what God wants to do in the church. And when you meet the right atmospheric conditions, which are described in Psalm 133, which is unity, wow, the power of God that's always there, but you can't see, when you meet those right conditions, it leaves the invisible realm and it becomes... It becomes visible. It becomes physical. Every time I come to church, especially for prayer or during worship, I come, in an ex I come with an expectation that there's going to be that do moment. There's going to be that moment when we all experience the presence of God. I really do. I expect it to happen. And I think you should also expect it to happen. If you come with an expectation, if you come actually 
not just expecting someone else to do it for you, but if you come expecting and you want to be a part of that happening, you'll experience that unity that uh, you may be missing so much. And we also saw last night that uh, strife and disunity is an anointing blocker. And so if you have strife in your family, if you have strife in your business, if you have strife in your church, I'm going to tell you the anointing is not going to show up like dew. It is an anointing blocker. You've got to get rid of that strife. That's why in our own life we have a no strife policy. We do, don't we, Denise? Mm-hmm. And we live by it. We just don't allow strife because strife is an anointing blocker. But let's go on to the next three symbols of the Holy Spirit that we're going to look at tonight. You guys ready? Ready. And they are. Are you guys ready? Get your Bibles. Let's get ready to go. Rain, river, and water. Let's begin with rain. Open your Bible to Joel chapter 2, verse 23, where Joel prophesies and he uses rain to depict the Holy Spirit. He says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Now listen to this. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, or the latter rain, in the first month. Then if you look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and verse 29, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, It's depicting the Holy Spirit as rain. Now, I want to say something. Christians often say, oh, Lord, let it rain. In fact, Philip wrote a wonderful song where he sings about let it rain. Oh, let the rain of the Holy Spirit come. And many times Christians say, Lord, we just want the rain of the Spirit. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. But do you know what you have when you have constant rain? You have disaster. You have flooding. You have flooding. And so it's kind of an immature view of the reign of the Holy Spirit. We need the reign of the Holy Spirit in the measure that God knows we need it. But this verse particularly says that there is an early reign and there is a latter reign. Latter rain. rain played a major role in Israel. I'm going to read to you from my notes because I think it's really good. Listen to this. <clears throat> in Israel, the first rain or the early rain of the rainy season usually came mid-October through early November. That was called the early rain. The rain softened the grounds and facilitated the germination of seeds and the growth of the crops. The latter rain, just before the harvest, usually came from early March to April, and that rain was necessary for the growth of the crops. So there was a rain that came to loosen the soil, to begin to cause the seeds to germinate. And then there was a pause. And then there was a latter rain, which was required for the growth of the crops. And rain was considered to be a gift from God. If there was no rain, they were in serious trouble. A lack of rain was seen as an expression of divine disfavor. They were totally dependent upon the mercy of God for rain to come in the right season and to stop when it needed to stop because if it's too much rain, it's going to destroy everything. And then to start again when they needed it to start again. And there are lots of ideas associated with rain. And rain is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. For example, rain in Scripture is associated with the power of God, of God's favor toward humanity. 
but there's a negative side to rain like we've already talked about, specifically torrential rain. Torrential rain, you can't even function. It's like when we grew up in Oklahoma, we had torrential rain. Ay, 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 I can remember driving. And the rain would come down so hard, you couldn't even see the lines on the road in front of you. You couldn't even see the taillights in the car in front of you. You couldn't function in that kind of rain. If you lived in that kind of rain, it's destructive. It destroys fields. It causes floods. Torrential, nonstop rain is not what God wants to send us. God wants to send us rain in measure as he knows that we need it. The right amount of rain, it brings refreshing. Mm -hmm. You can even smell it and you're so excited. The right amount of rain is a blessing. The right amount of rain brings growth. Too much rain is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Too much rain paralyzes life and ruins harvest. You know, we live in Russia. The studio is in Moscow. And the Russian people do so good with snow and ice and cold weather. But boy, if it rains, they don't know what to do with it. It's like life stops when it really, really rains. And when Christians pray, and if you've been praying this, you need to change the way you're praying. And they say, God, just let it rain. 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 God send torrential rain. I think that you're praying a wrong prayer. Torrential rain, it's devastation. God send us rain as you know we need the rain of the Holy Spirit. Denise? Well, I just know that the Holy Spirit... He doesn't want us to give us anything that's going to hurt us or harm us or destroy anything. And he will bring rain just as it's going to nourish us and refresh us and, and, and feed us and help us and move us forward. I mean, that's what he does. Well, you know, the early rain for the church was on the day of Pentecost. But if you look throughout history, there are pauses between these things. There'll be a real outpouring, then there'll be a pause, then there'll be another outpouring, a rain, then there'll be a pause. That's God sending the rain that is refreshing when we need it. But the Bible promises in Joel that there's going to be a latter rain. Well, the first rain was on the day of Pentecost, but the Bible concretely says before the coming of Jesus for the church, there's going to be a latter rain. And the purpose of the latter rain is not just so we can hoop and holler, we will hoop and holler, but it's to bring in the final crops. And the Bible prophesies that if we're living in the very end of the age, we're going to experience a latter rain. And oh my goodness, I believe we're already living in it. You know, all over the world right now, God is swinging the sickle. Mm -hmm. There is a major, major move of God all over the planet today. You may not be aware of it where you are, but especially in third world countries, it is massive what is taking place. Yes. We're already experiencing the latter rain. Let's talk a little bit about harvest. Okay. Because for a farmer, a harvest, that it's, it's the most difficult season. It means you have to work a lot. It means you have to hire extra people to get the work done. And the purpose of rain is to bring in the harvest. The harvest, itself, the harvest doesn't bring in itself, and the rain doesn't actually bring in the harvest. The rain is that 
additional nudge. It's what the, it's what your plants need. It's what the harvest needs so that it becomes mature so that you can actually harvest it. But the harvesting is what people do. So when we say and when we sing, Lord, bring rain, sometimes I think people are kind of mystical in the way they're talking about rain. 100%. They're like, Lord, just let us float on the rivers of rain. The rain does its part. God does his part. We have to do our part. The rain comes so that we can work. Mm -hmm. And actually, harvesters can't work in rain. They can't work in rain, but they can't work without the rain. So it goes together. So there's, God knows how these things have to be timed. And the scripture makes it very clear the Holy Spirit is depicted as rain. But let's move to the next symbol. The Holy Spirit is depicted as a river. A river. Everybody say river. River. Let's look at a verse. John chapter 7, verse 37, where Jesus says, In the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Wow. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, the word flow is the word reo which describes a rushing stream so full that it overflows its banks. Which means God's intention is for us to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that we can't even contain it. We just literally teem with the life of the Spirit. In fact, it talks about living waters. Living waters in Greek really means water that is living or water that is filled with vibrancy and life. The Holy Spirit wants to flow like a river in our life. And when you come to John 7, verse 39, Jesus says clearly, but this spake he of the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit moving in our lives like a river. So according to the Bible, the word river symbolically depicts the moving of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me say something about that. I like rivers. Denise likes rivers. And I like rivers too. You like them? Well, when you guys were young and we lived in the United States, we were traveling together doing our teaching ministry. And every once in a while, we would drive through Yellowstone. And oh my, Denise and I just love Yellowstone. If you've never been to Yellowstone Park, it's such a wonderful place to go. And the rivers in Yellowstone are just beautiful. They're filled with life. They're filled with fish. You can hear them as they gush, as they trip and fall over the rocks. There's deep rivers. There is shallow rivers. And you know what else? Those rivers are filled with oxygen that bring life. It brings life. And if anything tries to stand in the way of a river, it can't. Because the, the flow of the river is going to pick up any opposing force. It's going to move it out of the way. All of this is really important when it comes to the subject of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit flows like a river. He brings life. You might say he's filled with spiritual oxygen. He teems with life. And if anything tries to stop the move of the Holy Spirit, well, they might as well surrender right now because you cannot resist the current of the Holy Spirit. He'll just pick you up and move you right out of the way. But I have to say something else. Rivers have different depths. Now, the loudest rivers? Uh, they're the shallow rivers. They're the shallow ones. Isn't that amazing? The shallow rivers are the loudest. 
the deepest rivers that have the greatest power, the undercurrents that can literally carve out rock. You can't hear them. You can't hear them. And a lot of times, people who hoop and holler, they're new, they're not very deep, that's okay, we need it all. But sometimes as you get older and you get deeper in the Lord, your currents begin to run a little deeper. You may not make the same noise you used to make. You're broader, you're deeper, you have more understanding, but you have more power. So there are shallow rivers, there are deeper rivers, but what we need to understand is the Holy Spirit is a river, and we need to jump in regardless of what kind of river it is. Amen? In Psalm 46, verse 4, the New Living, uh, the, new, the NIV says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. I love that. There is a river whose streams. It doesn't say stream, it says streams. There are many streams of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we kind of get stuck in our stream and we say it's better than all the other streams. <coughs> well, I have a stream. I do. I have a group of ministers that I fellowship with. We kind of see things the same way. But you know what? If all we have is us, we lack a lot. There are so many wonderful streams. Some of those streams sometimes seem a little bizarre to me. But you know what? They bring something to us that we need. And we need to understand there are different refreshing streams of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be open. This verse says, There is a river whose streams... Make glad the city of God. The Holy Spirit is like a river. The Bible clearly teaches that. I love that, don't you, Denise? Yes, I love that. It makes, I love, makes glad the city of God. I want to make glad the city of God. Amen. Well, if we'll let the Holy Spirit move, he'll make glad the city of God. Any comment, Joel? Amen. I was thinking about all the rivers I've seen, big rivers, fast rivers, and I think the rivers are always continuous. It's like they'll never stop running. And I think that's the way the Holy Spirit is if you let him operate. And I also think even large rivers like the Colorado River, it starts very small and then it builds and builds and builds. And many rivers do that. And, you know, if, if you've been with the Lord for a long time, I think it's wonderful that we can experience new things with him and in the Spirit, and I think that's precious. And, you know, rivers also bring all kind of greenery. You know, we've all been to Egypt. You know, we live so close to this part of the world that we've been all over this part of the world. And we've taken, I think, four or five Nile cruises, I can't remember. But when you take a Nile cruise, you usually get on the ship in Luxor, Karnak, right by the Valley of the Kings. You get on your ship. And a it Nile is cruise. so dry. You can't see anything green anywhere. A Nile cruise is a river cruise. So it's not quite like an ocean cruise. It's a, you can see both sides of the river. Yes. And on both sides of the river, as far as your eye can see, what do you see? You see one, desert. One side's desert and one side has green. Well, the green is just along the side of the river. I yep. mean, if you move beyond the side of the river, <coughs> there's nothing green. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life like a river, even if you feel like you're in an arid place in your home or your business or your life, the Holy Spirit will bring greenery to your life. Greenery will grow around the move of God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? But wait, there's one more thing here. So we've seen the Holy Spirit is first like rain. Secondly, He's like a river. And last, He is like water. The Holy Spirit is like water. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 3. And on Isaiah 44, verse 3, 
it says, for I will pour out water. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry, dry ground. Then he clarifies, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So now we find the Holy Spirit is poured out like water. But wait a minute. Also go to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Paul wants you to read this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. All right, one moment. Would you please read this? Yes, I've been, I've been making notes. <coughs> I've been making notes and notes and notes. So sometimes my Bible hasn't been open because I've just been enjoying this so much. 1 Corinthians. What, your mom wants to say. Can I say something? Because here is an amazing promise for all of us. Be, uh, just repeating again, verse 3 of 44. Isaiah. Of Isaiah. I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Are you thirsty? Listen to the promise. And floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. Are you praying for your descendants? If we're thirsty, then he's going to pour water on our descendants. Okay, now in connection with that, Paul, you read 1 Corinthians 12, All right, verse 13. Right. To get there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, Paul, do you have a, a Greek help on that? I do. The word drink is the word pino. I know what it means, but I want you to read it for our home group. All right, hold on. Oh, this is really powerful, guys. God made you to be a drinker. Okay. It's spiritual drinker. Listen to this. Mine says pintozo. Well, it's, oh. it's, pin, it's pintazo. Pintazo. Okay, to drink, to let drink, or to give a drink. All right, but it's broader than that. Yes. The word pino, which is used here, means to drink, to consume, to imbibe. It is the very word which means to irrigate. Irrigate. Right here it says to irrigate. Yes. <clears throat> which means, this verse clearly says, you've all been made to pino into that one spirit. You've all been made to drink. God has fashioned us spiritually to be irrigated by the Holy Spirit. I like that. He's fashioned us to be imbibed. That means flooded by the Holy Spirit. To consume the Holy Spirit. To drink the Holy Spirit. God made us to drink of that Spirit. That is clearly what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says. Denise? Well, I don't have anything to say at this moment. Joel, do you? I was just thinking about water, and you said the word irrigate. Well, that takes a lot of work. It does. A lot of planning, a lot of work. It doesn't happen by accident, and it has, it has to happen in unity. And I think that's very interesting that the word irrigate is used here because we have to be consistent about it. And I'm just thinking about, about, about your house, actually. You know, to irrigate the water under your house takes a lot of work. We had to dig meters and meters and meters to put that pump under the ground to irrigate the water under the, under the earth just to have drinking water. And that took a lot of work, and sometimes we have to do that. And I think that's very important. I think in our personal life, we have to really work to stay open to the Spirit so we can be irrigated by the Spirit. And I think, Joel, I, your point is very well taken. 
even as local churches, <clears throat> we have to really work to make sure the church is irrigated by the Holy Spirit. Irrigation does not happen accidentally. And accidental irrigation is destructive. You've got to create channels. You've got to bring the water. You've got to direct it in order for irrigation to happen correctly. And I think this, this leads us back to what we talked about on Monday night. We have to be intentional, make room for the Holy Spirit to move, and even make ways for the Holy Spirit to move. God wants to irrigate us. We have to cooperate with Him so we can be irrigated. Personally and corporately. Now, it's not going to happen corporately if you don't do it personally. So personally, make time to read the Bible. Make time to read and make pauses when you're reading the Bible. Make time for silence. Make time to contemplate. Make time to pray in the Holy Spirit. Make time for these things and don't rush them. Sometimes you just think, well, nothing's happening. Well, that's okay. Not everything happens when you press the button. Sometimes you have to wait. I like that. So, in, and patience, patience is a gift, patience is a virtue. So, when you're waiting for the Holy Spirit, sometimes you literally have to wait. You know, it's not because the Holy Spirit's not ready to speak to us. It's because we're not ready to hear Him. Because we're so busy, or maybe we have worries, or maybe we have bitterness, or, or I don't know what's going on inside of us. And it's so hard to hear Him when all of that is going around in us. But if we say, Lord, I want to seek you, just like that Isaiah chapter 44 said, He who is thirsty, I want to seek you. I am thirsty. I'm hungry. In fact, Lord, I'm desperate. Mm. And when I'm desperate, and I'm opening my heart. And then when he starts to speak, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I give you that. Lord, I'll get quiet. Lord, I say yes to you. And all those small little answers we give to him is opening and opening and opening and opening the door of our heart. Okay, tonight we, yeah, go ahead, Joel. I just want to say one more thing about that irrigation. <clears throat> um, whenever you're digging for water, you don't always find it you have to make sure you find where the water is. And if your pump or your system is clogged up, you feel it immediately. It does not take long for you to realize something's wrong with our water system. Mm. And I think that's very, very important because spiritually, you should be able to feel immediately if something's wrong with your connection to the Spirit. That is so good. That's very and good. It's very, that, that irrigation thing really spoke to me. Well, tonight we've covered three things. The Holy Spirit is like rain. The Holy Spirit's like a river. The Holy Spirit's like water. Paul, what's your one takeaway? Quickly. Not all rivers are deep. Not all rivers are shallow. Uh, and the, sometimes it's the shallow rivers that make the most noise. Joel, your one takeaway? Irrigation. Denise? Thirsty. Thirsty. Wow. I just want to drink. We've been made to drink of the Holy Spirit. But hey, if you need prayer tonight, we're here for you. We would love for you to call us, 1-800-742-5593, or send us an email at prayer at renner.org. The moment we hear from you, we will really pray. And if you have to leave a message, we'll call you back. But please remember that right now, you can go online, and you can get the download for free. Please do that. It's right here. You'll love it. Symbols of the Holy Spirit and the whole series called Symbols of the Holy Spirit. It's 10 parts. But when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to look at the next three. Are you ready? Okay. You say, what are the next three? Would you like to know? A dove's coming around sometime. Well, tomorrow we're going to see fire dove. 
and clothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's going to really be good tomorrow mm-hmm. night. And we're just getting started. We have Thursday and Friday in front of us. But let's come back tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, we're going to see the next three symbols of the Holy Spirit. And friend, we want you to sleep well tonight. Remember Psalm 4.8. It says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. And the Lord will keep me safely. We believe that for you. Sleep well tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.